0: Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org.
2: Phones to silent, doors to cross-check, hold on to your hats. This is 5 Yard Rush, your fantasy football podcast with your hosts Stocks, Sparky, Murph, and Nick. Yo, what's going on, Rush Nation? Welcome to the second show of the week in the studio with Murph. Big man, how are you?
3: Yeah, good, mate. Uh, really good. Uh, still uh, on the peppermint tea, Still got a little bit of a dodgy tummy, but other than that, I'm, uh, I'm fit as a fiddle. I'm good to go.
2: Wicked. Right, Rush Nation, got a guest on today. It's uh, a podcast favourite, a returning guest. It's Luke Easterling, everybody. Editor for the DraftWire and BucksWire. Luke, welcome back. How have things been since we last spoke?
1: It's a pleasure, man. Things have been uh, fantastic. It's it's not too hot yet, still here in Florida, but uh, we're really close to uh, our favorite season, or or maybe just the season we have all the time, which is just like third summer uh, (laughs) down here. So eventually in like two weeks, it'll be like 80 or 90 degrees every day. It'll stay that way until probably November. So some people might think that's fun. When you live here and you've grown up here, it, it really gets tiring
3: yeah I, I couldn't agree more i i got to the bit where i after six years nearly i i missed seasons um just having autumn well,
1: it's been 33 years for me i I want them at all i've never had them at all so uh, what are they like
3: they, they're they good it's, <laughs> winter's a little annoying at times but you put up with it but spring is the best one like because it, it's just when everything you've got, you've got you've lifted the ray of hope and it's like all the gloom is starting to go like this is for me the favorite time of year because spring's coming through the sun's starting to shine everyone's in a really good mood in spring and something you don't really get in florida it's just like light light and then you get a little bit of darkness and it goes back to being light and then it's cold cold slightly warm hot
1: <laughs> yeah it really is we we spent uh, some of last week in north carolina like i told you before and and it was nice to actually see actual spring and enjoy it and go and see a bunch of different gardens and all the flowers and that was fun down here it's the opposite we get to like halfway through football season and like november finally gets here and we're like please god some sort of cool weather just a breeze anything please we've had enough sunshine
0: yeah
2: <laughs> i can't imagine what that's like it must you be
3: you wait until you have the, the summers that I'm sure Luke will know very well. And, and I can remember where you get the anomaly, sorry, the winters, anomaly winters where you can get a Christmas at 80 degrees. Oh, absolutely.
1: That's we've had just as many of those as I have had like Christmases where it feels like I might need a light
3: jacket outside. <laughs> it's, ridiculous. it's absolutely balmy. Um, but hey, that's uh that's Florida for you. It's why people love it. It is.
1: We do I always try to remind myself I do live here on purpose. I haven't left yet, so I must not hate it too much.
2: <laughs> it sounds Thanks. delightful. I mean, I work outside, so autumn and winter in part of spring's pretty hellish for me. So summer all year sounds great, but I imagine it gets boring pretty quick. Right, guys, we can't talk about the weather forever. Luke, we brought you back on to talk about the NFL draft. It is fast approaching. Let's get into some questions. What or who has been the biggest shock so far, having gone through the combine and senior bowl process?
1: Uh, I think that, it, you know, if, if you're looking for a positive and a negative, probably I think the negative one has probably been Ja'Kai Polite, the, uh, the edge rusher out of Florida. Um, he's a guy that I still have a first round grade on um, because I tend to weigh uh, what I see on the football field during the college football season way more. Uh, then I weigh what happens, uh, during the underwear Olympics and the, the combine and, and that sort of thing after, after the football is being played. Uh, but, you know, it, it's not a secret right now that he has not exactly aced that process. The combine did not go well for him. The pro day went just as badly. Um, you know, it looks like maybe he's just out of shape. He's been injured, hasn't been able to complete the drills and, and really give teams a, a really good idea. Uh, of what he's capable of athletically. You see what's on film, you see a great pass rusher and a a great hustle player who, who, you know, never stops running. But, you know, you you do want to have those athletic numbers to be able to compare his raw athleticism as a baseline to the rest of the prospects. And unfortunately, we're just not going to be able to do that because he was just not able to complete those. And then, you know, the interview process didn't seem to go terribly well for him uh, either. So, uh, you know, honestly, it could end up benefiting Many teams in the early second round, because in my opinion, he's a guy that was was getting a lot of top 15 talk early in this process based on on his play on the field. Uh, but if now if you're at the top of the second round and needing a pass rusher, and he ends up slipping to you because of how this process has gone for him, you could end up with with quite a steal if this is you know really much ado about nothing. Um, and I think the po- the biggest positive surprise there's been a couple of you know under the radar guys that I think really took advantage of this process. Blake Cashman, the linebacker from Minnesota this linebacker class was really begging for somebody to kind of take charge of that next tier after De- uh, the two Devons, Devin White and Devin Bush, and then Mac Wilson from Alabama. I think most people have those guys uh, as the top three linebackers in this class, but after that, it was, I think there was kind of a huge drop-off, but he, he had a great combine. His film is fantastic as well, but I think people were really impressed with his athleticism. Um, Max Crosby from Eastern Michigan, another ed- edge rusher, I thought had a fantastic combine and has great film as well. So you know, this is the time of year where those smaller school guys or the off-the-radar guys uh, can take advantage of having the spotlight on them and, and take advantage of being kind of nose-to-nose with the top competition in the country. And those are a couple of guys that I think really took advantage of the process.
3: Ja'Kai Polite is, uh, I tell you where we can't, uh, we can say for sure he's not going to end up and it will be uh, Green Bay. I don't think Green Bay will be taking him with, uh, uh, with any of their draft picks available after that interview. <laughs>
1: No, no, probably not. Especially after the free agency had, they had, I think they went and got every single edge rusher that was available. So, yeah, definitely.
2: So we've we've been having conversations on the podcast about Kyler Murray going number one. Murph and I tend to think he's not going to now. Where where do you come down on this on this debate?
1: It, it, the the debate is is two sided for me. It's you know what do I expect to happen versus what would I do or what should happen in my opinion, and, and those two things are very very different. You know, my I've been doing this for a long time, and and my shtick has never been the whole you know breaking news, inside sources tell me league news type of guy. I, I tried to do that, I was terrible at it, I hated it. So I you know I stuck in my wheelhouse, which is watching football, evaluating players, and writing about it. So uh, when it comes to you know who's hearing what, that's not really my game. Um, but it does seem like there's enough smoke to think there's fire to the whole Kyler Murray at number one situation. You know, Should it happen? I think it's somewhat insane uh, if you look at what they did last year, trading up to to spend a top-ten pick on a quarterback, giving that quarterback uh, a coach who looked extremely overwhelmed and Steve Wilkes firing that coach after one year and still allowing um, Steve Kime, who's the general manager, who made that decision to trade up for Josh Rosen, make him the franchise quarterback, hire Steve Wilkes to be your head coach, and then fire him. I don't know how you could possibly have confidence in him going forward to make a complete 180 at the game's most important position and say, yeah, actually, that guy we we traded up to draft in the top ten last year, we don't want that guy anymore. We want a new guy. I don't know how there could be confidence in him to make that decision and make the right one. So, you know, will they take Kyler Murray at number one? Honestly, I have no clue, but it looks like they're, you know, it's trending that way. Should they do that? I I just don't see how it makes sense. Yeah.
2: I listened to a podcast earlier, and they were saying how the Cliff Kingsbury – saying that he'd take Kyler Murray number one overall was two weeks before he would, was hired by the Cardinals. So he was just saying it based on the fact that he, I think they'd just played Oklahoma and they they had a, he'd had a really good game and he was just saying it. He did it about a lot of players saying how good they were in interviews and stuff. And it just so happened that he said it and then Arizona hired him. And I think people jumped on top of this video and started putting two and together, two and two together, sorry, getting five and it's blown up from there. So Murph and I don't think it will happen. and It shouldn't happen because they'd be stupid to, like you say, get rid of Josh Rosen after trading up.
3: I'll go as far to say that if they trade out of one, or if they trade out of one, they, they trade that pick and get a top 10 pick this year, a, a good second round pick, and maybe a, a first round pick in 2020 or something like that, and they get a really, really attractive haul for the one pick, Kyler Murray might be the best Trojan horse that we've seen in a number of years.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think that is absolutely the ideal for Arizona because this is a team that needs everything. And they, they, you could make the argument they need everything but a quarterback right now. Yeah. Um, so if they were able to somehow Shanghai this entire situation into – Getting, you know, say they move down with Oakland or, or somebody, you know, if Oakland wants to make a crazy move and go up and get Kyler Murray, if, if John Gruden and Mike Mayock want to make a splash, you know, say they, you know, are able to wrangle one, if not both of those first round picks, those late first round picks away from Oakland, you go down to four, you might still get Nick Bosa, you might still get Josh Allen, you might still get Quentin Williams, all players that could be in the conversation at number one overall. If you make that kind of move and you're able to build the roster around a guy in Josh Rosen, who I think. Uh, is definitely a franchise quarterback has that kind of material to him. That would be a fantastic move. And I will take back everything I just said about Steve time five minutes ago. (laughs)
3: 100%. (laughs) So in terms of um, Montez sweat, uh, Ian Rappaport broke uh, not long after the combine that he has a a congenitive heart condition. Uh, It was well, and it was well known before the combine. He was allowed to work anyway. Uh, It seemed to be quite minor, Um, but is that going to affect his draft position or is it going to be ignored by the fact that, you know, he he still went to the combine and clearly it seems to be, it's not affecting him in his day to day.
1: When we first heard the news, the first thought that I think most people had was Maurice Hurst from last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, The defensive lineman from Michigan who came into the combine was, you know, pretty, pretty sure. If not a first round lock, definitely a a top 50 pick. And then, you know, obviously, you know, he had a similar situation at the combine, uh, but the big difference here. Is that he was not allowed to complete the workouts there at the combine. He was he was removed from that uh, and ended up falling to the fifth round because I think there were some genuine concerns there that weren't uh, that weren't previous to the combine. And I think the sweat situation is just completely different. I think that's evident in the fact that he was not only allowed to go out there and perform, but he dominated. I mean, he was absolutely one of the biggest winners from that week. When you're almost 6'6", 260 pounds, and you run four four one, I mean, th- th- those are the guys that make me so glad that I stopped playing quarterback when I did and that I write about this game for a living because I've, I, I don't know how fast I was at my fastness, but it sure as hell wasn't 4'4", and I sure as heck wasn't uh, 260 pounds and 6'6". So, uh, you know, he had a fantastic combine. I think his athleticism, his versatility as an edge player to either play uh, in any scheme, whether you want to stand him up and, and drop him into coverage or rush the passer. His production in the SEC against some of the top competition in college football you know, putting up lots of lots of big numbers uh, for an SEC school. Uh, I think when you add all that together and the fact that, again, he, he was allowed to compete, and it, it's a very different situation than we saw him race first. I definitely don't see him falling much, if at all. Uh, the last mock I just put out this week, I had him go into number six uh, to the Jets, who I had trading back. So I, I think he could still very much be in the top ten conversation.
2: You just said you had the Jets trading back. Who, who did you have them trading back with and, and what for?
1: I had him trading back with the Giants. Uh, I had the Giants going up to get Dwayne Haskins. I think that, you know, it, it's hard this, this time of year when it comes to mock drafts to kind of balance what I think will happen versus what I think would not, you know, what needs to happen. Um, and I think what needs to happen is the Giants need to stop pretending that uh, that this is 2010 or 2015, even with Eli Manning and and get themselves a franchise quarterback. I think that, you know, you, you, you made the move. You got Barkley last year, and you passed up on last year's really deep quarterback class um with the understanding that, you know, you were going to have to make this kind of move at some point. So, obviously, you know, Barkley is a home run pick. Now is the time to get your quarterback. So, um, you know, is it an unlikely pairing with the Jets and the Giants making a draft day trade? You know, I can see that angle. But, you know, usually if you want a quarterback in the first round, you're you're probably going to have to trade up to get him, um, and so if 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 there's no quarterbacks off the board, or even if Murray goes number one, I think a team like the Giants, if they have their eye on a guy like Haskins, they could get empty and and need to make a move up the board.
2: Nice. So who else who else do you see trading up to get quarterbacks then?
1: You, you know, not as many teams as I would have thought previous to free agency. Obviously, I, you know the Jaguars went out and got Nick Foles, and the money they paid him makes it clear that he's going to be their franchise guy for the foreseeable future so I think they're going to be out of the, the quarterback game at least early on I can see them taking a developmental guy later to kind of you know as a project to develop this case but I don't see them going quarterback early um, I I think the Dolphins are going to punt on this this quarterback class I think you know trading away Ryan Tannehill but signing Ryan Fitzpatrick you know a guy that just screams hey we're gonna we're gonna try to win just enough games to keep our fans interested this year um, but we're definitely have an eye towards a different quarterback class Uh, And again, when you're at 13, it makes it difficult, you know, because you're probably, you know, you're probably not going to get the the top one or two quarterbacks in this class. So um, I don't know if they are confident enough in any of these quarterbacks, especially to go up to one. If if we're thinking that's where you have to go to get Kyler Murray, if that's your guy, I just don't see a team like Miami at 13 or even Cincinnati at 11 or Washington at at 15. That guy would have to get to probably at least four or five Oakland and Tampa Bay before those teams outside the top 10 would have a realistic um, you know, chance to, to go up and get him. It's just going to take way too much in terms of draft capital.
3: See, I just have this crazy feeling that Miami are going to do it. Miami are going to move up to four or five, and they're going to grab someone. Um, I just think if you're going to bring in Fitzpatrick, yeah, he puts bums on seats, and he'll sell tickets, and he will win you just enough games to – to keep fans appeased, but he's also the perfect mentor. He will embrace and thrive in that role. And I think you're bringing him in to mentor a quarterback because I think you're right. This quarterback class with the exception of maybe one or two players, um, aren't going to sit, aren't going to play week one. So they're going to sit for the majority of the year. So I think I can just see the dolphins just moving up, doing something crazy to get a guy because, I just think it's the perfect setup. You can play Fitzpatrick for a year. He can develop this, this young quarterback and and then the following year you have a, a shootout and see who gets the job.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I think what the what those teams will have to figure out is is the gap between, say, Murray and Haskins big enough between him and, and the next tier, which is, you know, Drew Locke from Missouri, Daniel Jones from Duke, even Will Greer from West Virginia, who I have ahead of Daniel Jones. I don't think a lot of people Uh, agree with that, but I'm okay with that. Um, Is there a big enough gap between those top two guys and the rest of those guys for a team like Miami or Washington or Cincinnati? We're talking teams outside the top ten. Is there a big enough gap there to where you feel like, I have to mortgage a lot of draft picks to go and get one of those top two guys because even if Drew Locke or Daniel Jones are there at 13, I don't think they're worth that kind of pick. It's going to be a very interesting conversation for teams in that range.
3: Mm. I agree. So with this then, um, I know you publish a lot of different mock drafts and keep up with with them, Um, some fascinating ones you do with some of the trades and and scenarios. But if the NFL was drafting today, tonight was the commissioner standing on the stage, how do you see the top 10 going at at this stage?
1: Right now, if if I'm saying what I think would happen, I think we we might see Kyler Murray go at number one. Let's just say for, for this purpose that he does. Uh, I think at number two, if you're the 49ers, you are ecstatic about that because you fill your biggest need with the best player in the draft, and Nick Bosa, uh, at number two. I think at three, you have the Jets, who also need an edge rusher. Obviously, they'd love to get a chance at Nick Bosa. I just don't see him getting to three. Uh, but thankfully for them, Josh Allen from Kentucky is is not exactly a, a poor consolation prize. I think he's a fantastic player and worth that pick, absolutely. Just the one thing, especially with Anthony Barr kind of reneging on his uh, – a free agency deal. They still have a huge need there on the edge. I think he'd be the perfect pick there at three four is where it gets interesting. You have Oakland who, you know, has a lot of needs would like probably to move back from that pick, but if they can't getting Quinn and Williams at number four would be uh, again, another consolation prize that you couldn't be very sad about. So very, very quality player. I know teams will will talk about their, their youth at defensive tackle already uh, with Maurice Hurst, who we talked about earlier and even PJ Hall, yeah, uh, you know, I still don't think you those guys can ha- cause you to pass up a guy like Quentin Williams if he's still there on the board. Uh, the Buccaneers, uh, even though I, I'm not a huge fan of this move, if they stay at five and Quentin Williams is off the board, I think that Devin White, the linebacker from LSU, is where they're going to go. Um, obviously, you lose Quan Alexander in free agency to the 49ers. There's a big gap there in the defense now. Uh, I think Devin White comes in right away and, and solidifies that position in the middle. Him and uh, Levante David would make a fantastic team. Um, number six is the Giants. Again, if they're, if they have an opportunity to get a quarterback like Dwayne Haskins without trading up, they absolutely should take advantage of that opportunity. I don't know if they will. Um, but they should. So we're going to give them to the Giants at six. Number seven, if you're the Jaguars, you got a fantastic situation. You have no wide receivers off the board. You have no offensive tackles off the board. And those are the two things you need the most. Um, they could use an edge rusher, but in this situation, I'm probably not taking one over either the top tackle in the in the draft, or the top wide receiver, which is who I'm going to give to them at 7, D.K. Metcalf from Ole Miss. I think it would be a fantastic uh, housewarming gift uh, to Nick Foles, your new franchise quarterback, to give him a receiver. that They just don't have anything close to that on the roster right now. Uh, number eight, the, the Lions need a lot, and most of it is on defense. Um, whether it's a corner, they could also need it. With Darius Slater, they already have that kind of player. You, you signed Trey Flowers, um, but you still need another edge rusher. I think Brian Burns from Florida State. Very explosive guy. Another guy who killed the combine, came in way bigger than he played at. People were worried about his size. He played at 235, came to the combine at 249, and still ran uh, and performed very, very well. Very, very technically sound pass rusher. Uses his hands, uses his technique very, very well. Um, I think he's absolutely worth a top 10 pick there. The Bills at 9, I think you got to continue to surround Josh Allen with as many things as possible to be successful, whether that's weapons, whether that's protection. Uh, in this scenario, I think whoever the Jaguars don't take at seven, whether it's Metcalf or Jawan Taylor, the offensive tackle from Florida, I think they take the other one. So obviously the Jags, we gave them Metcalf. I think Jawan Taylor goes to Buffalo, gives Josh Allen a set of really, really solid tackles with him and Deion Dawkins uh, there in Buffalo. Number 10 in Denver, uh, I think they could go a bunch of different ways with this. If they're not going to go quarterback, which if you believe John Elway, who still thinks his 34-year-old quarterback is in his prime somehow, um if they're not going to do that uh I think you're looking at probably a guy like Devin Bush the linebacker from Michigan I know that's higher than some people may think he goes um but with Devin White already off the board I think that's a, an important position for them to fill and I think Devin Bush is absolutely worth that pick
3: wow that's a I love a lot of those picks I'm, I'm really surprised you've not put um say Montez Sweat in there um a lot of talk he could go early so um but i guess when you're looking at those teams if there's no trades then it does make complete sense of, of what you're saying um so i guess he would be sort of the big casualty in some ways of of not being in that top 10 based on the way that the board has fallen if it stays the way it is
1: yeah and again a lot of these guys you know it, it's about how they fit in a particular scheme with a particular team uh and and that's why when people especially on social media be like that guy's never going to make it to this pick or that guy's never going to go that low or that high or whatever we, everything we see every year is crazy we never know what's going to happen so you know nobody would have thought that derwin james would go to seven all the way to 17 last year and he did and he made the pro bowl so it, you know it, anything is possible on draft week and there's very very few things that you can say with confidence will or won't happen
3: yeah no i couldn't agree more so based on this then who would you how many quarterbacks would you say are going to be drafted Uh, in the first round. You've got two going in the top 10. How many more do you reckon sneak into that first round?
1: I think we have four go in the first round. I think that, uh, again, Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins probably in the top 10. Uh, And I think Daniel Jones and Drew Locke probably uh, come off the board in the first round. I I don't think Will Greer will get, you know, the the talk that we're hearing that he might sneak into the first round just feels too much like uh, the Davis Webb or the Tom Savage talk that we've heard over the last few years with those late, quarterback names talking about driving up the board and those guys end up going in the middle rounds I still think that Will Greer ends up going on day two somewhere Um, but those four guys I'm pretty confident will come off the board on day one
2: nice how about running backs do you think any running backs are going to go in the first round someone might sneak in late
1: no I don't I don't and I I, you know part of it is the fact that we don't have a Saquon Barkley type at the top Um, and a guy like Josh Jacobs who again I, I don't think his his combine or his pro day should impact your evaluation of him very much but I think it might Uh, You know, keep teams from saying, hey, this is a guy that's so much better than the rest of the running backs in the class that we need to get him uh, in the first round and make sure we get him. This this running back class is just way too deep. There's too many players that I feel like I can get uh, a similar player on the second, third, even fourth round to where there's just no way I would spend a first round pick in this draft with so many players available at premium positions, offensive tackle, quarterback, wide receiver, defensive end, corner, there's too many other premium positions that that first-round picks need to be spent on, and again, it's just a deep class of running backs. I know I can get a quality guy in in the middle round.
2: I mean, all the talk at the beginning of the college season was about uh, Damian Harris. Um, did Josh Jacobs blow him away, or or like where are we going to see him go?
1: No, I think that they're, they're similar backs, but I think when you look at Josh Jacobs, his his lack of workload and his skill set remind me a bit of Alvin Kamara. I mean, Alvin, you know, people will say you know, how can you have a number one running back in a draft class who was third on his team in rushing yards last year? And I'd say, well, third on his team in rushing yards the year before he was drafted was Alvin Kamara. So if anything, with the the short shelf life of running backs in the NFL, I'm looking for a guy who hasn't been worn down by a heavy workload in college. And Josh Jacobs, again, was not the featured back, played behind Damian Harris and Najee Harris, who was a five-star recruit, uh, who will be the starter in Tuscaloosa this year. So if you look at the kind of limited you know film that we have on josh jacobs you see a very dynamic running back who excels inside outside goal line short yardage in the passing game very complete player who just wasn't alabama just didn't need to use him as much because they've been you know churning out incredible running backs for a decade now so i think that an nfl team will be very happy with the fact that alabama didn't run him into the ground because he'll be so much fresher and he'll last longer in the league where do you think he's going to go I think he goes somewhere on the second round. I I think where we start to look for him is maybe Oakland at 35 early in the second round. I think if you're the Philadelphia Eagles later in the second round in the fifties, I think you're really hoping he's still on the board there. Uh, But there's going to be some other options for them as well, but anywhere in that range makes sense for him.
3: I think, I think that's sensible. There's a sneaky feeling. I think one of them could just sneak in just for that extra year. So I think it depends what happens if uh, people like the Patriots are willing to, to trade back and, and and at what cost that will be if it's really late on, then you might see someone jump up a few spots to get in. But I think it's going to be interesting. But I, yeah, I, in my book, no one should go in the first round. But as as you say, the draft is is pretty, uh, pretty you know unpredictable. In terms of the players who we're currently looking at uh, that are being mocked everywhere, pretty much uh, to go in the first round. Is there anyone other than Chikai Polite um, who we've talked about already that you think could be a surprise? Uh, to fall out of the first round at at this stage?
1: Um, Falling out of the first round, I think it's not a surprise to me, but I I think there are a lot of people, you know, national draft voices who have been talking about Oklahoma wide receiver Marquise Brown as as even like a top 15 pick. Um, I just don't see a guy who's 166 pounds being a top 15 or even a top 32 pick. Um, I have him right now going to the Chiefs at twenty nine. Uh, who would? I mean, that'd be just a blast to see Patrick Mahomes chucking the ball to to Tyreek Hill and him, um, and maybe even an insurance policy, considering Tyreek Hill has some you know off-field situations in his past and dealing with another one right now. Um, but uh, Marquise Brown is a guy who has been talked about a lot as a wide, as a, a first-round pick that I could easily see still being on the board in the second round.
3: Okay, and in terms of, do you have any sleepers that we should keep our eye on for? Uh, day two and day three of the draft um, players that are going to fall that far that that could make a, a sneaky impact in in 2019
1: yeah i think one guy that i mentioned earlier max crosby the the edge defender from eastern michigan just has a, a fantastic track record on film and had a fantastic combine was among the the top performers in his position group at a bunch of different uh, events there um, just a really really hard-working player Um, that I think is going to fit any coaching staff once they sit down and see what he's capable of and see the kind of person he is. I think they're going to be uh, huge fans of his. Um, uh, I'll go really deep for this one. If he's there on day three, which he probably will be because it's a deep receiver class, uh, there's a guy from Malone College, which doesn't even have a football team anymore. They literally disbanded the football team after this past season, and it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Ashton Doolin is a wide receiver that had a fantastic combine and a pro day. Um, running, you know, four fours with with great size. He's six two, over two hundred pounds. Um, that's a guy that I think, if he's still there on day three, again, he's a guy that literally doesn't have a team anymore. I mean, he's he could be the first player drafted from Malone College, and he would do it after they don't have a team anymore. He would literally be forever the only one. So um, he's a guy to definitely keep an eye on.
3: That's mad. I'm rooting for him. I'm madly rooting for him now. That that would be incredible stuff.
1: Yeah, it's a crazy situation. We. He talked with us, um, he interviewed with one of our writers not too long ago, um, and he talked about how ridiculous it is, his friends, his teammates, he said his brother was going to school there, and now he's having to kind of help those guys figure out what to do next and to, and to find other places to play and, and other places to go to school. So it's a really unfortunate situation uh, for the rest of the team that was kind of left behind.
3: That's crazy. Wow. We'll be, uh, we'll be rooting for him. Um, I'm going to go and try and find some tape or uh, find uh, some more information on him. And uh, yeah, I'm going to hunt him down hard and, uh, and read off on him. And I'll be rooting for him uh, day two, day three of the draft for sure. It's been a real blast uh, catching up again. Are you, you going to make it out to, to Tennessee for the, for the draft?
1: No, no. I hunker down in my, uh, my home base, my work office. Uh, and that's where I do all my work from for, for DraftWire. If you're going to go to the draft as a fan, it's an absolute blast and I definitely encourage anybody who's never been to the draft to definitely go. Uh, But if you're there to work, it can be quite the circus. So if if I have the ability to do everything I need to do uh, from my little office, I definitely take that opportunity.
3: Awesome. Well, uh, we'll be looking to uh, exchange some tweets if we're, uh, I'm hoping to still be up um, on draft night. So um, we'll exchange some, cheat, uh, some tweets and messages and uh, we'll be rooting on those Buccaneers and hope they uh, do the sensible thing. And fingers crossed from my book, trade back and get some extra picks and some extra support because uh, Lord knows they need it. Um, but Luke, it's been a blast. Why don't you tell us where people can find your, your articles, your mock drafts and uh, and where to find you if they missed the, the first time around you're on here?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can find all our work at uh, Com. Uh, and then I'm on Twitter, at Luke Easterling. Um, always happy to talk football. And uh, again, thank you guys for having me. It's always a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. Sorry it was uh, a little short
2: than notice, but I'll have to have you back on after the draft to talk about landing spots and what you do and don't like, where players landed. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to it. Brilliant. Well, Murph, as always, it's been a pleasure. Luke, thanks once more for coming on. But until next week, Rush Nation, don't forget, keep rushing.